Welcome to the In the Scriptures podcast. The following Bible lesson was previously recorded. Hello everyone, Lance here, getting ready to bring you a, another Bible study lesson uh, on this Wednesday night. Uh, looking forward to our time opening God's Word together. want to remind you at Sandlin Road, we are back meeting in the building, and we would love for you to come and uh, worship and study with us in person if you have the opportunity. On Wednesday nights, we're meeting for Bible study at 7 p.m. On Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for Bible classes, and then 11 a.m. for our morning worship period, and then again at 5 p.m. on Sunday evening for uh, a period of worship and also Bible study there on Sunday evening. So we'd love for you to come and join us anytime that you can at Sandlin Road. Uh, otherwise, continue to join us here uh, on our social media channels and on our YouTube channel uh, for these video lessons uh, that we'll be bringing you. Uh, the plan is to continue to do a live stream of our Sunday morning 11 a.m. service. And uh, so we hope you'll join us for that when that's available. And uh, just look forward to, to getting to share time with you in God's Word. Tonight I want us to consider uh, another Bible character lesson. And we're going to talk tonight about envy. Envy or jealousy. The Bible has a lot to say about envy and jealousy. As a matter of fact, there are a number of people that we could... Uh, study their stories in the Bible and learn from their example or their bad example when it came to a struggle with envy or jealousy. And I'm going to mention a few of those tonight in passing uh, quickly as we look at the text uh, that we're going to consider. But more than that, it's interesting to note that envy or jealousy uh, and strife or contention is mentioned in so many of the lists in the New Testament of sins that are just specifically condemned that are not to be done by us as Christians. And yet, I, I don't think we have to think long and hard about the reality that envy and jealousy is something that every one of us uh, battles with on an individual, on a personal level. It's a, a sin, a struggle that all of us as human beings face at various times, at various levels, and we have since our childhood, no doubt. You can probably think back to some of the first times that you felt that sense of jealousy and envy as a child, and it may have been of a sibling, it may have been uh, of a, a person at school, a friend at school, or an acquaintance. Uh, you may have felt it on the job with co-workers. Uh, you may have felt it in various friendships, relationships, you may have felt it when it came to dating or when it came to your marriage and your jealousy for your significant other and not wanting them to be with anyone else or um, just being protective of them in that way. So we have a number of ways in which we feel and sense jealousy and envy in our lives. And the thing about that is it can lead to a lot of big mistakes it can lead to us saying harmful and hurtful things, thinking harmful and hurtful things, um, doing harmful and hurtful things. And throughout the Bible, we have a number of examples of that. I want to remind you of a classic example of that as we begin our study tonight. And that is of Joseph's brothers. Do you remember this? Uh, in Genesis chapter 37, if you have your Bible, we have uh, the beginning of this account 
where Joseph is going to be sold by his brothers into slavery. And that's just kind of a crazy thing to think about, that, that brothers would sell one of their own brothers into slavery. But in Genesis 37, in verse 1, we read, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. So there's this division, this contention that's broken out between Joseph and all of his brothers because Israel loved him so much and loved him more than the rest of his brothers, as it says, and that he was given this coat of many colors. And then down in verse 12, uh, Joseph is going to be ultimately sold by these brothers. Uh, if you read through that, I'm not going to read the entire text, but um, in verse 19, as they see Joseph coming, they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Therefore, come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. So they wanted to kill him. That's what the brothers really wanted to do. Verse 21, but Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So Reuben, the oldest brother, steps in and keeps him from killing him. In verse 23, So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. They took him and cast him into a pit. The pit was empty and there was no water in it. They sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother in our flesh. And his brothers listened. And they sold Joseph as a slave. And they did that because of envy, because of jealousy. As a matter of fact, over in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 7, when Stephen is addressing a group there, he says in verse 9, And the patriarchs becoming envious sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him, as he goes on in verse 10, and delivered him out of all of his troubles. And he goes on to tell about that. But the point I want to emphasize is Stephen made this point so many years later as he stood before Jewish men and reminded them that these brothers of Joseph became envious and sold Joseph into Egypt. You know, during this time in the book of Acts, there was a great battle going on because 
the gospel of Christ was being taught and people were becoming Christians and they were leaving Judaism, they were leaving being Jews to now become Christians. And so many of these Jewish leaders, of course, hated that and were upset about that, despised it, and were envious and jealous of what was going on. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 13, that's specifically what is said about this group that were following and watching what was going on. In Acts 13 and verse 45, it says, But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy, and contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. So when Paul and Barnabas were going in the region of Antioch, preaching and teaching. And then in chapter 17 of the book of Acts, in verse 5, when they're in uh, Thessalonica, in this region, in this area, it says, But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men in the marketplace, and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. Again, out of envy, they were attacking these that were teaching the gospel of Christ. You know, even when we look at the crucifixion of our Lord, it was, of course, God's plan for Jesus to go to the cross to die for the sins of the world. But how did it happen? You know, so often we might ask that question and just think, well, how in the world could this happen? And how could those who did it during that day uh, crucify the Son of God? Well, did you know that envy played a big part in that? In Matthew 27, beginning in verse 15, it says, Now at the feast of the governor was accustomed to re at, at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you? Barabbas? Or Jesus, who is called Christ. For he knew that they had handed him, that is Jesus, over because of envy. They had handed Jesus over because of envy. So it's pretty clear that envy, jealousy, this kind of contention you know, really can become a problem and lead to some bad decisions. And so you and I need to think about it very seriously and examine our own lives and ask ourselves, are we struggling with envy and jealousy ourselves? And if so, what are we doing to keep that in check? What are we doing to ensure that we don't let our minds go to the wrong place and we certainly don't let our actions do the wrong things? In James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, we read, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. All right, so here's the good. Show by good conduct that you've got the right kind of heavenly spiritual wisdom. But then notice what he says in verse 14. But... If you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. In other words, you can't argue with what's true. 
and all manner of envy and self-seeking desires is not going to change whatever's true. If, if somebody else has more money than you do, you can be as envious as you want to be all day long, and that's not going to change the circumstances. Verse 15, he says, This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. And notice what he says in verse 16. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Confusion and every evil thing are there. If I just opened up tonight and said, Could you ever imagine somebody selling their own brother into slavery? you'd probably be like, well, no, that makes no sense whatsoever. And yet to those of us who have grown up studying Bible stories, if I asked you who sold their brother into slavery or who was the brother that was sold into slavery, we would all know it was Joseph and that it was those brothers of the, of the 12 tribes of Israel that sold him into slavery because we know that story and we know that happened. And yet we need to remember the shock and the egregious nature of that, that they, out of envy and jealousy, would do such a thing. When we ask ourselves, why did Christ have to be crucified? Or how could that have happened? Or how could somebody have consented to the death of Jesus? Do we remember immediately that Pilate knew Pilate could see through what was going on and he knew that the Jews had handed Jesus over because of envy. And so in thinking about those things, I just wonder how many people can see through us and recognize that our poor attitude or poor choice of words or maybe our poor actions are revealing of the envy and jealousy that's within us. It could be a problem. And the thing is, just like James teaches us here in verse 16 of James 3, where this envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. It's like everything's on the table when envy and jealousy and self-seeking is there. When you look at some of the worst crimes that are committed, murder, theft, so much that goes on that is hideous and horrible. When you get down to the root of why was it done, in so many cases, some kind of envy, jealousy, or pure self-seeking is at the root of it. So you and I need to kind of check ourselves and be sure that we not let any small root of envy grow into something larger than we can handle. In Romans chapter 13, Romans 13, beginning in verse 11, well, going back to verse 8, he teaches here to the Roman brethren that we're to owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. We're to love one another. In verse 10, he says, Love does no harm to a neighbor. 
Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. What's the answer to envy and jealousy and contention and self-seeking? Love is the answer. In verse 11, he says, And do this, love like this, do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Now that's really the ultimate answer to what we need to do in response to small roots of envy and jealousy. We need to choose to love one another. We need to put on the mind of Christ, the activity and life of Christ. We need to remember that as we became Christians, we determined to be crucified with Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. And that in that, we're putting off those things of the flesh. In Galatians 2 and verse 20, Paul said it this way, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I've got to put off these things of the flesh, crucify them, as it were, not give any life to them. The early church had issues with this, and it can creep into our church as well, into our congregations. In 1 Corinthians 3, <coughs> pardon me, in 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 1, Paul writes, And I, brethren, cannot speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal, that is, fleshly-minded. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For one says, I am of Paul, another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? We've got to be careful that we don't do the same, that we don't become followers of men, that we don't place divisions where there shouldn't be, that we don't allow envy and strife to fester into things that should not happen within the Lord's church and among the Lord's people. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 Paul is talking about those who are teachers in verse 1 he says let as many bond servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed and those who have believing masters let them not despise them because they are brethren but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved teach and exhort these things so he's giving Timothy this exhortation to teach and exhort these true things. And then he gives a warning beginning in verse 3. He says, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, 
from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself. A very stark warning about someone who's not interested in the actual true teachings of Jesus. Unfortunately, there are many false teachers out there. There are many who teach on false premises. In Philippians 1 and verse 15, Paul even pointed out that some preach the gospel from envy and strife. That they're just doing it for earthly gain. They're doing it for notoriety, accolades, personal, self-seeking reasons. We have to be careful that we do not participate in anything like that. We need to have a true love for God, a true love for one another, a true respect for the truth of God's Word, and be sure that we cut out all roots of envy and jealousy. Well, let me encourage you one more time tonight when thinking about how you're going to deal with the jealousy and envy that you may face. Be sure that you, first of all, determine that you're going to deny the selfish desires that could come your way. That you're just not going to let that happen. That you know you've been crucified with Christ. You know that you are to put on the love of God and love your neighbor as yourself, to understand that love does no harm to your neighbor. To remember what we read in 1 Corinthians 13 when the chapter deals with defining love, and specifically in verse 4, it says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself is not puffed up. In verse 5, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Love doesn't envy. Love doesn't seek its own. And so you and I have got to work hard to cut out any starting roots of envy and jealousy and turn instead to love the way that God has shown His love to us. I hope this has helped you tonight. I hope that you'll continue to open God's Word and study it for yourself. And let's all try to help each other uh, as we make our way toward heaven as an eternal home. Will you pray with me tonight? Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the day you've given us and this opportunity we've had to open your Word together. Father, we pray that you would help Take out of our hearts any thoughts of envy and jealousy, self-seeking and contentious divisions. Father, we just pray that we might have a heart of love, compassion, sympathy, a heart that's willing to help one another, to rejoice with one another, to not have any kind of covetousness, to not allow ourselves to get caught up in something that would have us thinking bad things, saying bad things, or doing bad things to one another. 
out of envy and strife or for any reason. Help us learn from the examples in the scriptures. And most of all, Father, help us imitate Christ. We know he showed us the example of ultimate humility, of ultimate compassion, of ultimate love. And we pray that we might just be more like him every day. Father, be with all those tonight that need our special prayer and your special help, that are sick, suffering, recovering from procedures. We know you know their needs. You know that they're on our hearts, and we just beg that you would heal and comfort as we know that you can. And Father, please point us in the direction that we may be servants to them as we can as well. We are the leaders of our land and other lands that peace may reign and that our freedom to worship you may continue. And Father, we beg for your mercy and your forgiveness, knowing that we make mistakes. We pray that we'll have the courage to make it right. Father, help us take the gospel message to all the world. We pray that if there are those among us that have not yet become Christians, that they would just greatly consider their soul and be willing to come to you and to Christ, to be his disciple, to put on Christ in baptism, to be faithful to you to the end, to lay hold of that eternal life that you've promised through Jesus Christ, your Son. Be with us tonight and always. We look forward to spending eternity with you. We love you, Lord, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.